Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Carmen Polifito, and I'm pleased to be here today with Dr. Jamie Dannenberg, who's the Chief Medical Officer at Immunity Biotechnology, which is an ophthalmics startup, a startup with a, uh, with a very strong ophthalmic focus, looking at a very unique set of disease mechanisms and therapies. So, Jamie, thanks for being with us here today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. So before we discuss the mechanisms of the disease mechanisms and other things, in summary, what is your vision for the treatment of macular disease in the future? Uh, yeah, How will so, it be different in the future than it is today? That's an awesome question. I think um, one of the things that we recognize is that the vascular health the vascular homeostasis of the eye is a critical piece to long-term ocular health. And we believe that there are many diseases for which abnormalities and how that vasculature remodels, um, addresses stresses and injury um, that um, currently we address today through very specific directions, that is mainly anti-VEGF therapy or ablative, for example, through uh, laser and pan-retinal photocoagulation. Uh, but what we're hoping is to redirect our interest to thinking about two big aspects of ocular health, which is vascular homeostasis and resolution of, of, of inflammation. So addressing non-resolving inflammation. Those are the two big areas in the eye that we're most interested in. Uh, and our current therapies are mainly focused on the former, on vascular uh, homeostasis, vascular health. And so uh, what we would love to imagine a world is one in which um, we can intervene in a very specific set of biologies that have long-term beneficial effects on eye health not just slowing disease or halting disease, but actually reversing disease. And that is the ultimate difference between what we're trying to get at and uh, where I think we live today. So tell, tell me a little bit about your view of the role of uh, senescent or dying cells <laughs> in the pathogenesis of macular diseases, such as diabetic macular edema or neovascular AMD. Yeah. Um, so first, it might be helpful for us to spend a minute talking about what, a, what is senescence biology as a whole, and then we can talk about why we think that relates to macular disease. Um, so senescence is a, a um, highly programmed cellular stress response. So as cells experience stresses over their lifetime, there's programs built into every cell in our body that allows its ability to counteract some of that stress. And some of those stresses include oxidative damage. Uh, it includes metabolic stress. It includes DNA damage as probably one of the most important signals. And it also uh, involves replicative stress. So as cells keep dividing over a lifetime, they eventually reach a limit to which they can't divide more. And the senescence program comes in to try and modulate those stresses. 
And essentially, it's a series of proteins, cyclin-dependent kinase inhibitors that get activated, some of them constitutively, so it's a permanent event that basically causes the cell to, to exit cell cycle. It is no longer dividing. And it is not just the, the um, permanent uh, exit from cycle, but there are parallel pathways that are activated simultaneously that also causes many of the cells who become senescent to also acquire a secretory phenotype. They start producing multiple factors. The best characterized system of this is a fibroblast system that has been very well characterized where a senescent cells, the senescent state causes the cells to start producing as many as a hundred different proteins and enzymes. And these are all um, molecules that we all know of. It, it includes VEGF, it includes PDGF, it includes TGF, it includes the whole interleukin family of proteins. It includes matrix modifying proteins and enzymes that alter the extracellular matrix in which these cells live. And so we believe that it is this set of factors that are being produced by senescent cells that alter the environment in which those cells exist and thereby leads to pathophysiologic state, um, especially as the cell tries to recover from that uh, damage. Now, these cells don't die. They are in a highly stressed state, but they don't die. And in fact, the cellular, the senescent state is part of the reason why they don't. It's a mechanism to keep a stressed cell from actually dying. And, and we believe that in certain diseases like diabetic macular edema, like age-related macular degeneration, that senescent cells at a minimum contribute significantly to the pathology that we see in those diseases. So in diabetic macular edema, where are the senescent cells located? They tend to be the um, endothelial cells and supporting cells around the endothelial cells in the retinal microvasculature. So um, the glial cells um, uh, uh, that surround the endothelial cells uh, all seem to be, uh, not all, a significant proportion of them um, uh, become senescent as they get stressed. And it's those cells that then cause the, the capillaries to um, maladapt and become pathologic. So they become leaky. Uh, they um, also produce um, uh, VEGF. They end up with lots of neovascular changes. And in many cases, those cells those vessels can die off and you end up with avascular zones uh, or ischemic zones in the retina. And um, that's the principal cell type in DME and diabetic retinopathy that appears to be senescent in those diseases. So your molecule that you're investigating selectively targets senescent cells, correct? Yes, that's correct. So when a cell becomes stressed and senescent, it upregulates a set of uh, proteins to try and keep it from dying. So, um, and what we've been able to identify is what are those pathways that are the cell is becoming dependent on for survival, and we can target those pathways and thereby selectively eliminate those cells, whereas healthy surrounding cells 
in the same tissue are not are not absolutely dependent on those factors for survival. So they do not get injured. Those cells are not affected by the, the drug, uh, or if they are, it's to a much lesser extent. And we're able to therefore eliminate the senescent cells, but preserve the healthy cells. And we've done some of those experiments. It's actually quite fascinating how well the drug is at um, going in and hitting its target in both healthy and diseased tissue. They, it, it, in fact, it's quite equivalent, but it's only in the diseased tissue that we engage down the downstream machinery that causes the cell to be, be uh, eliminated. So what is your molecule? Uh, what is your number for your molecule right now? Uh, the number is UBX1325. That's the molecule number. Uh, and it is a selective BCL XL inhibitor. Uh, so the BCL family of protein, the BCL2 family of protein is a very large superfamily that has, I've lost count, but probably 17 to 20 members, something like that, uh, of which a number of them are anti-apoptotic and a number of them are pro-apoptotic. Um, the XL um, member of the BCL family is strongly uh, anti-apoptotic. So when we go in and that becomes the protein on which a senescent cell is highly dependent. So we go in, we inhibit BCL XL, and it's that inhibition um, that um, causes BCL to no longer bind its partner BIM. And BIM then binds with other proteins in the cell, which eventually leads to the uh, programmed cell death of the cell by activating caspase and um, eliminating that cell. What's the preclinical data that supports this? So well, we've just, uh, just briefly, very briefly, we've worked in two different models. Uh, one model is the oxygen induced retinopathy model uh, that um, we have demonstrated and recently had a, a wonderful publication in um, uh, uh, Nature Metabolism, uh, Cell Metabolism, sorry, um, that just a couple months ago now. Um, and uh, in that paper, we show uh, not only a significant inhibition of the neovascular response that that, that, that uh, model induces, uh, but we also significantly uh, restore the avascular zone that that, that that model also induces. So it is quite unique compared to, for example, anti-VEGF agents. So an anti-VEGF agent is perfectly able to also inhibit the neovascular response in the model, but does not do anything to the avascular zone. So we think that uh, this potential mechanism may have quite a number of differentiating features because um, when you use an anti-VEGF agent, you base, in the absence of any anti-VEGF, you're not gonna get any vascular remodeling uh, to any great extent at all, because VEGF is an important um, homeostatic mechanism in, in the vascular beds. And so uh, this feature may in fact be an important one, an important distinction, especially in diseases like diabetic eye disease that is uh, manifested not only by um, neovascular growth and leaky blood vessels, but also by ischemic zones and avascular zones. Yeah, it's, it's, pre it's pretty much been definitively shown that anti-VEGF therapy does nothing really to improve retinal perfusion. Exactly. And that, so, exactly. So and that's this would be, a, 
would be good. So, we, and, and by the and, way, we also we also have studied the uh, streptozoticin induced diabetic animal. It's a longer model, and we see similar effects there. We were able to uh, basically restore the leakiness. So those animals develop essentially DME, and we basically block the leakiness in those vessels down to non-diabetic levels, and restore. Um, a photoreceptor function through by through ERG assessments. So um, it's it's a restorative model in a diabetic animal who has uh, and we we administer the product at a point in time when the animal's already established disease. So it's really a, a therapeutic modality, not a prevention mode. Mm -hmm. So your therapeutic model would be much much differentiated from a situation where you're chasing VEGF by repeated injection of blockers. That's really the hope. That's really the hope and the promise. Because, you know, as you follow the logic chain, if we eliminate senescent cells, while we think they may recur, they will, um, you, you will generate new senescent cells. But we believe that process is quite a slow one. And we know, for example, in diabetic eye disease, it, it takes a decade or more to develop complications of diabetes in the eye. Um, and so even though those cells may uh, reestablish themselves, we believe they'll do so quite slowly. So we believe that uh, eliminating those cells could lead to a therapeutic response that lasts for many months, maybe even a year or two uh, before the need to uh, have to um, uh, re-intervene. So is your belief that most of the VEGF that's relevant in diabetic macroedema is produced by senescent endothelial cells? We believe that is a significant source of the pathologic VEGF, yes. Mm -hmm. so that and and getting... there's also glial cells and parasites also that are also producing these cells. Now, interestingly, um, the senescent cells also produce other factors like IL-1 and other chemokines. And so it is, we also believe that the factors produced by the senescent cells are attracting other cells to the tissue mm -hmm. like macrophages activate those cells and those cells then themselves add to the pathology in the tissue. And so while it may not only be the endothelial cells as the source of pathologic VGF or other factors, by eliminating the senescent cell, we reduce the chemo attracted nature to immune competent cells and thereby begin to restore the tissue to a more healthful state. So you've got a phase one trial underway. What's what's that like? So that's a, a single ascending dose study uh, where we're exploring patients with both diabetes and, and neovascular AMD. These are very advanced patients. Uh, and we're exploring the uh, safety of um, in single injection of UBX1325 in those patients. Mm -hmm. And uh, how far along are you in that phase one trial? What I can share is we're, we're moving that study well along. Um, we have publicly shared that we intend to start a proof of concept study in diabetic macular edema uh, in the first half of this year. So we're more than halfway through, we're about halfway through the first half of the year. So sometime in the next few months, we intend to start that study based on the safety of the phase one program. And so um, I think that the math is pretty clear that the phase one program is moving along. 
Uh, and um, there's nothing in that study that prevents us from continuing to progress the dose escalation and to uh, exposing patients to 1325. Your, your main focus is on diabetic macular edema, and you've got a very good summary of the pathophysiology of senescence in that disorder. What about macular degeneration? Where, where does senescence come in with macular yeah. degeneration? That's an awesome question. So fascinatingly, when we look at eyes from patients who have uh, died um, and had carried a pre-mortem diagnosis of diabetic macular edema, what we see is a substantial increase in the senescent version of those patients. And where do we see the senescence? The senescence is in the retinal vasculature and in the uh, neuronal cell layers, the inner and outer neuronal layers. When we look at patients with AMD, um, what we find uh, who had a pre-mortem diagnosis of AMD, what we find is an equally in increased burden of senescence in those patients, roughly three to five, what you might find in the background, three to five fold increase, maybe even up to tenfold increase. But now the senescence is not located in the same locations in diabetic eye disease. It's located in the choroid and in the RPE layers. That's where we find the senescent cells. And um, interestingly, very interestingly, and while none of this is cause and effect, it's all associative, they do strongly indicate that there's a very strong linkage between these, between what we observe and the, and the presence of senescence is that if we find a patient who has intermediate AMD, for example, with plenty of drusen lesions, when we look and find parts of the eye in which there is no drusen, we find very little senescence. But when we look at areas where drusen has accumulated, we actually see in geographic co-location to those drusen lesions, we find nests of senescent cells in the choroidal vasculature immediately adjacent to the drusen. And so these data tell us that senescence may be also as important in AMD as it is in DME, just it's in a different part of the eye and it's doing something somewhat different. Uh, we still believe the endothelial cell is the principal cell, uh, in, in AMD, it's just a different endothelial cell now. Mm -hmm. Well, this has really been an exciting discussion uh, and uh, a very novel disease mechanism and a very thoughtful therapeutic approach that sounds like it has some significant promise. <laughs> We're really excited by it. And I think it could have significant promise uh, in this field. Um, we very much look forward to uh, moving on to the um, fully, fully powered uh, proof of concept study, which we hope to start in the coming months um, uh, in, in DME. Uh, and we're interested in AMD. That's still an area of great interest to us. Uh, and frankly, we're also interested in geographic, geographic atrophy as well because we think uh, that's another place. Um, as I mentioned, you know, while, while Drusen is not GA, we know there's an intimate relationship there as well. And uh, we think there's something to be played there. That's a tough area to investigate, as I'm mm -hmm. sure you well know, and your audience well knows. Uh, but it's something that um, is, is right, in our, uh, right in our line of vision and something we do want to address uh, over time. Well, good. Jamie, thanks so much for coming on Retina Synthesis. And promise me that you'll come back when you've got some more results. Absolutely. We're there, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, great. Thank okay. you very much.